Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by the luscious William Murden. How is it going tonight, Will? Luscious? Have I put on weight? Is it, <laughs> I, I see that as a weight thing. Uh, I'm good. You are the uh, you are the sateen of this relationship. I, I would know. say the velvet, but you're not that smooth. So uh, we'll go with a sateen, shall we? I, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'm good, mate. I'm good. It's it's good to see you. Uh, I'm enjoying myself tonight, and I enjoying... can hear that in your voice. That is blatantly obvious. <laughs> I've had a few this Thursday evening, which is fantastic. Uh, we we bowed out of our uh, football finals on the weekend, somewhat unexpectedly. I, w- I thought we'd be a little bit better than what we were. So that was disappointing. Uh, full credit to the other team on the weekend. But now it just means that I can become a bit of a shit show. And, uh, <laughs> a bit more of a shit show, yeah. Correct. And, and let my hair down a bit. So I'm excited for a big, big episode. This is, this is us. Today we are talking <laughs> like this is us. This is us on so many different levels. Firstly, because we are doing the group of five today and the independents. So we'll hit all the big teams, the best conferences, um, the slightly overweight players, the slightly underweight players, the the guys that probably not quite fast enough to play um, power five, the guys that weren't quite tall enough, the guys that look a little bit funny. That when you're like, you're a wide receiver, but you've got the hips of a 34-year-old mother of three. And I don't really know why that is, but you're still really good. They're all the guys we're going to be talking about today. That is who we are talking to because we are a group of five football podcast because that is the way of quality football. And we're going to talk through all the conferences, all the teams. We're going to hit some boring independent teams as well. They are less exciting. We've got some news to get to. Um, No doubt with Will chugging along just nicely, we're going to do a little bit of shit talking along the way as well. (laughs) So, (laughs) as we cheers to another one of America's finest lagers. Uh, Zero weeks left of college football preparation. How do you feel about week zero heading into some game time on Sunday? So, so we might be picking up a few listeners for the first time, or at least the first season following along with college football, and week zero, can you maybe perhaps give a bit of breakdown for what week zero is for our fans? Because I tried uh, during the week to bore one of my co-workers on what week zero was, and he did not care. He, he did not give a flying fuck, and I did a terrible job of it. So perhaps you can enlighten our listeners, what is week zero? What does that even mean? Well, the cynic in me says it's a money grab for college football. Again, like everything. Bit of a theme, Bit of a theme yeah. Um, week one used to be a big one. You had kickoff weekend. There was always the Chick-fil-A kickoff classic, um, various big kickoff games, out-of-conference games that were always really, really awesome. And they still are. But for some reason, some schools feel like they need to get one in early. Um, kind of like the guy who goes home like you're out for a night out and they jag one at like 9.30 and they're just off out of there and you're like, ooh, pulled the trigger a little bit early. But sure, if that's what you know, if that's what you want to do, you go for it. That is week zero of college football. Uh, you don't get the big players. You don't get the big teams. There's no real huge marquee matchups. Uh, it's, it's just teams. I don't really know what inspires a team to pick week zero as a starting week. I know Colorado, Colorado State usually gets played week zero. Um, 
and they're one of the big kind of rivalries that goes early but for the rest of them it's just like oh yeah whatever sometimes we'll play it sometimes we won't a lot of the time they don't the other one that seems to get played or has been in the last couple of years is nebraska illinois uh, and that was an absolute blowout last year. So um, I, I don't really understand the concept of week zero. I'll watch one game this weekend and that'll be about it. it fe- it's like a soft opening. It's like when new bars or restaurants are like, oh, we're going to have a soft opening. Or you could just fucking open the joint and, and that'll work well as well. No, it's good. You've done just about as bad a job as I have yeah. explaining <laughs> that. So that makes me feel better. Perfect. Um, okay, so I just wanted to come back to a previous point. You're now out of football race this year um, in terms of season 2021 for the Thunderers. Uh, thoughts on retirement. Your body is pretty washed up now. You're doing calf injuries. You're doing Achilles injuries. You're in and out. Like You're now a B grader, I guess, at this point. And... Um, you know, it, it, it's getting... It feels like for you, it's getting to the point where it's like, are we going to push him out or are we just going to give him the old like, hey... You know, it's your choice. You can either choose to step down to B grade or you're playing B grade. And it's no. like, oh, yeah, he chose to step down. He didn't. I'm, he was I'm, pushed out the door. I'm definitely wading into those waters. And <laughs> I, I, like, I need to make a decision because you're dead set right. It, it, like, I, I can kind of, you know, float off and, and embrace it and play B grade with some of the other boys. Or, and where I'm leaning at the moment, I just <laughs> fucking good. claw in and make them make that fucking, or have that awkward conversation with me. Like, really make them look me in the eyes and, and say, look, you're fucking past it, mate. So, <laughs> that, that's where I'm leaning at the moment. But, uh, look, there's a long preseason of booze ahead of us. It is, it, if that call comes, are you playing B grade? Or are you going to, like, take a year off and then go back to it? I'm just packing it in, like dead set. Oh, when that call, just like fucking, it, the toys will be out the cot at that point. <laughs> I can Done. imagine you. How can you do this to me? I've given so many years of my life to this club. Fuck you. I'm going to Blackwood. <laughs> Precisely. I'm going to go rep playing the C grade there. <laughs> All right, um, let's get into some actual college football here because you are not alone on the uh, consuming of alcoholic beverages um, train at the moment. So um, I'll try and hang around as well. Um, I'm drinking something a little bit more delicious than what you are. Um, I, I, I obviously can't specify because we are now sponsored by Burnley Brewing as part of the Vault Studios Podcast Alliance. And I'll get to that in just a little bit. Actually, let's jump in right now. Let's jump into some news right now because as part of an alliance with Vault Studio, that obviously leads us into an alliance in college football. Awkward and pretty mediocre segue. But the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 have joined in and have become part of an official alliance in college football. Now, we did mention this last week, but it feels like the... Um, cogs of sincerity, I suppose. This isn't lip service anymore. This is a far more um, set in stone kind of process that is occurring now between these three conferences. And you are wanting to jump in here, but before I do throw to you, this is a situation where these teams are making a bit of a pact. I don't know how formalized that has become. I don't know how documented and official that has become just yet. But a pact to play their out-of-conference games and, and schedule those amongst those three conferences as best as possible. Now, 
I don't know if that means that they get rid of the cupcake. Usually teams get four out of conference games. So if you get a big 10, you know, you can kind of mix them around um, and maybe then throw in an FCS school as well. There you go. Um, it, it, it's a big FU to the SEC, which I've got no issue with at all. It's also good for the sport because it doesn't allow the SEC to become the sole power in this particular situation. So it is actually good for the sport. One last thing before I do throw to you and your thoughts, Will. <clears throat> the only concern with this is because of scheduling that occurs so far in advance, from 2022 through to 2026... So next year and then the following four or that five-year block included has 180 non-conference games for the ACC. Only 36 of those games are open slots at this point in time. So a lot of those games at this stage have already been scheduled and a number of those will be with the SEC. And that's just the ACC, not the Big Ten and the, and the Pac-12 as well. But just to give you a little bit of context there. So your thoughts on the Alliance, Will, where's it heading and what does this mean for college football? So, so me trying to jump in there is because I, I do know, I, I do have that context there. So that's when I'm, I'm trying to say that. That's no, what I'm getting there. Get loud, dickhead. <laughs> so uh, previously last week, we were talking speculation, right? There, there was news reports that this alliance was happening. Now we have had official word from the three commissioners together to say we are forming an alliance. They have come together and said there has been, quote unquote, a handshake agreement at an alliance. So no like I said, there's nothing formalized at this point. Nothing in writing, nothing contractual, but the guys have come together and said, we want to work together and fuck over the SEC. We really need the Big 12 to be good at, at uh, college athletics, but we don't care for them. So it, it was kind of an interesting comment on that front that uh, had come out with it. So obviously this is in move in encounter move to what the sec had uh, had done with their play there and it makes sense i get that the big 12 are very much the team on the outside looking in on this but these guys have come together it, it doesn't mean anything like this was tuesday morning us time they came out announced this uh announcement wednesday morning usc one of the flagship programs of the Pac-12 and that alliance in general they'd be one of the top five programs across that alliance then announced that they are playing a season a season kickoff game against LSU in Las <laughs> Vegas in 2024 and it's kind of like okay i mean that's one of no, those no. rare that's one of those rare spots that is available that we're talking about this and they've gone completely against it because shock horror there's going to be a lot of money in that game so look read into it what you will at this stage it, it's it's all a bit of posturing uh, it, it's all in play to the whole conference realignment piece, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm still well, and bitter. effectively the the conferences aren't responsible for scheduling their own out of conference games. That's up to the schools. So until there is anything formalised that says as part of this conference you must schedule, you know, of your four non conference games you must as a Pac-12 member you must schedule a Big Ten, an ACC, and then your choice of a Big Twelve or another one of those others, um, you know, yeah. they, they're not going to, they're not going to do anything. They're going to do what's best for them financially. And if we learn anything from what Oklahoma and Texas have done is they don't give a fuck about the conference. They are all about themselves, the American mm -hmm. way. 
It is the American way, which makes me kind of sad. But um, I think this is actually a good step for college football in general. I think it does balance out the power, and that's really, really important. All right, let's jump in um, to some quick games, if, if there's anything that you're going to take away. And before we get into Hawaii, UCLA, or Nebraska, Illinois, and we're not going to go into a deep preview dive here, uh, but when you're looking at, and this is, I suppose, fits into the Aaron's advice, but more of a question to you. When you're looking at a neutral game, what things do you look for in a game of college football? What gets you excited for watching that particular team? Is it you're like, oh, you know, this game's got two good quarterbacks or this team's got, or this game's got two good running quarterbacks. Maybe that's what you're into. You like seeing like electric playmakers. What makes a neutral game watchable for you? Look, at, at this stage of the year, so I'll work at this stage of the year when we're talking week zero. <laughs> if it's you, got 11 people on the field or 22 people on the field and a football, I'll watch My it. college football balls are that fucking blue. <laughs> the, the, like a, a slight change in wind is setting me off. So give me Nebraska, Illinois. Give it to me all day. Like I, I couldn't give two shits. I'm just super excited. Uh, like as you start to get into things though, it, it is like dynamic playmakers. It, it's the potential for uh, a bit of spark in a game. And I think that's why as we get across the year, you'll hear us talk that we've got a slate of games that we're interested in. But we may not necessarily be honed into one specific game. Yeah, there are going to be occasions where we've got big matchups or specific teams that we want to watch. But there's often storylines unfold as the day plays out. And that's why it's, college football is amazing in what it is, is that you can flick it over and get access to all of these games and, and bring them up and then start to buy into a game and then... As it starts to play out, you kind of you grow into it and you become attached to the game and you start to learn about these players as they do amazing things on the field and playing out. So, like I don't think that there's stuff that needs to be decided before going into it. Week zero, watch what you can. It's been a long time coming. We're gonna love it. As we go, it's it's kind of let the week play out for you. Have some games you're interested in, and then follow the the interesting results. And I'll just give up my own little bit of advice here as always. Watch the game. Watch the entire game. I think you lose a lot. I know it's good to, to buzz through 40-minute highlight packages and 20-minute highlight packages, and that's all well and good, but you lose the feel for the game when you do that. Um, you know, the, the one-yard runs on second and four or second and 10 actually do have an impact in telling the story of the game. So if you are new to college football, pick your team and watch your team. Watch it with, I know the stop start and the ads can get frustrating to some people, but just know that that's part of the process and let the game, let the story of the game come to you and, and feel that. Don't just go, oh, I need to see only touchdown plays, only crazy interceptions return to the house or whatever. You need to see the whole game and get a feel for the whole game because it's those things that are really, really important that you lose in 1 minute 30 highlight packages. Lots of advice here coming out early. We're going well. All right, uh, let's jump into Hawaii at UCLA. Are you going to watch it? Is this the game you're going to watch or are you going to go with Nebraska at Illinois? I know I'm only going to watch one of these because one of them is my crush team for the year. The other one is an Australian favorite and that is Hawaii at UCLA. So I'm really excited to see how... Um, you know, DTR and, and the UCLA offense gets moving in game one. Uh, look, I, I'm going to dial into as much of all of this as possible. Um, 
I'll, I'll key into these two games specifically. I think they're the ones that are interesting and, and should be watched. I, I think the Nebraska game I'm keen on. I'm, I'm still really interested to see what happens with Scott Frost and the pressure that he's under there and, and whether they can start to turn the corner. And this will be a big showing for them first up. So that one there certainly for me uh, is, is where I'm probably going to be most interested. All right, it is time for some previews, unless there's any any other ridiculous statements you need to make before we jump in, William. I don't think so, mate, no. Let's do it. So we're going to do the independents first out of the gate, and then we're going to head into the group of five. Now, I do want to say that after doing a lot of research on a lot of teams this week, more than I would normally do, there are. it seems like there's a bit of a theme with the teams for both the independents and the group of five, and that is... The teams fit into kind of two categories. There is one where the team has got all the pieces, the wide receivers, the skill position guys, the offensive line that are playing their 17th season in a row, and no quarterback. Or the team has got a stud quarterback and then huge question marks in either the defense or wide receiver or you know something that appears like the stud quarterback is not going to be able to overcome. Um, there are very few fully complete teams in all these breakdowns of the independents and group of five that we're about to talk to at the moment. That is my broad stroke takeaway. Um, I don't know if you have any great thoughts about the teams we're going to talk about today. Look, that's a very general statement, but uh, I'll, I'll back your research in there because I have a feeling you've done a little bit more than I have. Oh, Jesus, you're a piece of shit. All right, uh, independence. Let's start at the top. Let's go Notre Dame. So this was a ten and two team last year. They joined the ACC for the year in that COVID situation. They're back to being independent after just bending the ACC over and then just, you know, no courtesy spit or anything. Um, and I am selling hard on Notre Dame. The big reason for that is they say goodbye to the best passer, the most prolific passer in fighting Irish history, and that is Ian Book. And they bring in Jack Cohn from Wisconsin. Um, I don't think he's very good. He's a 70% completion passer, and I rate accuracy very high from the quarterback position, but I just don't think overall he can threaten down the field too far. I don't think they're going to be as good this year. I think they take a step back. Your thoughts on the Notre Dame fighting Irish, William? 70% 70% is good. Like, it's not it is bad. Good. No, it's not. Like, you, you, you throw some stats, you say, I, I, I need him to be accurate, and he only passes at 70%. That's pretty fucking no, I'm not accurate. saying he only passes at 70%. I'm saying 70% is really important, but I just don't think he's taking shots down the field to hit that 70%. Yeah, There's nothing okay. explosive about Wisconsin's offense that really, you know, gets my blue balls tingling. Well, like, he lost the job to Graham Mertz, who is a special talent. And he's a guy that I'm really backing to have a massive year here. So no knock on him for that. I think Jack Cohn could be uh, special here. I think he could be exciting. So this Whoa. Notre Dame team, I'm a lot more bullish than you are. Uh, they've got a typical Notre Dame uh, schedule that's quite tough. And, and I know you hate hearing about it every, every year. It's tough. <sighs> I'm going to go in on this schedule in a second, but you go. <laughs> that, that Cincinnati game is a top 10 clash. And, and, and that's cool. going to be a, a tough one for them. Uh, USC, North Carolina, very good teams. So I'll, I'll let you kind of work your way through that. But this is certainly not a, a cupcake schedule for these guys. I think Cone could be good. Kyron Williams is the one for these yeah. uh, 
these fighting Irish that you got to keep an eye on, right? He was really exciting last year. He's a special playmaker. I, I just like that combination there. I, I think they're well coached. They've had a lot of success over the last few years, and I think they're going to be around the mark. Will they be as good as they are last year? Perhaps not. Last year, they were genuinely contending to be a playoff team. I don't think they're in that conversation come the last month of this year. But I still think that they're a tough out, and they're certainly going to be a hell of a matchup that game with Cincinnati. Okay, so the I'll, I'll start with the schedule first. And this feels like, for those people supporting in the southern states of Australia, where you may be a football follower, this feels like very much like a Collingwood situation with the schedule, where they like don't leave Melbourne for months at a time and then complain when they go and play at, like, what is it? Docklands, Eddie had. I don't know what it's called. Marvel. I don't watch footy, but Marvel. Marvel Stadium. But like that's the sort of shit. And they're like, oh, we've you know we've had such a tough road like schedule. Bullshit you have. And it's the same with Notre Dame here. Yeah, they play some preseason ranked teams, but it's USC who we don't know that much about just yet. They get them at home. That's their you know. That that's the big you know ranked matchup. They get them at home. North Carolina. We don't know what they're going to be like. That defense wasn't great last year. Yeah, they've got maybe the best quarterback in college football, but they lose all of their skill position guys. We don't know much about them. They get them at home. Cincinnati. Yes, really good defense, and we'll talk about them later. But they're still group of five. They don't have the talent to run with Notre Dame. They get them at home. The only other big game they get is against Wisconsin, and that's at Soldier Field. So that is more or less a home game anyway. So don't come at me and say, like, Notre Dame have got this really, really difficult schedule. They've got all this kind of, um, you know, oh, yeah, it's, it's so tough being independent. Bullshit. Like, a lot of teams play uh, three ranked teams, and they're mediocre ranked teams on some level as well, and they get them all at home. There's far tougher schedules out here than Notre Dame, and I just I, I don't buy into this thing that they're that hard done by from a scheduling department. I'm sorry, I just don't. I'm not uh, saying hard done by. I just don't think it's easy. There's enough landmines in there that they don't have a. a but every but every walk. every team's got landmines. Like it, like, mate, you know maybe Ohio State don't have quite as many maybe Clemson don't have quite as many but reality is you're asking USC to fly across country to go and play them and then you're asking Cincinnati to to do a job when they're going to be out talented like most power five teams would hope that they would handle Cincinnati at least at the top like Notre Dame's anyway we don't need to get hung up on this the thing that I think they're going to have an issue with is that in the wide receiver room and this has been a bit of a constant for Notre Dame I've never been particularly excited about Notre Dame wide receivers. They've either got these like big bodied wide receiver tight end flex types or small guys that just aren't that explosive. And this year's really no different. Avery Davis is the one guy that they sort of should feel good about. He had 24 catches last year, which if you're coming across from the NFL into college football, 24 catches at the NFL level, not great. 24 at the college level shows that you've got a little bit of experience. Lawrence Keyes is a senior, hasn't done much. Braden Lindsay, who they're relying on, is a senior, hasn't done much. And his seven catches last year, who they're saying is going to be a breakout player, they came against Florida State, who are terrible, South Florida and Syracuse. Outside of that, he didn't catch a ball. 
Um, the O-line needs some reshuffling around as well. So I'm not fully sold on this Notre Dame team on an offensive level. So I'm selling hard on them. The one player that I do need to mention is Kyle Hamilton. He might be the best player on defense in the entire country um, at safety. He is like 6'4", 220, just a weapon on the back end. Um, but yeah, that is my entire take on Notre Dame, and I am off them. Okay. By off them, it means like they'll probably go like nine and three, but um, they're not. Well, they're not double digit winning the regular season to me. I, I don't. I just don't see it with Jack Cohn um, there. I, the, the first game that's quite interesting that I would have a flutter on if I was you. Not that I follow betting too closely, but they play Florida State. That opened at nine and a half points. Notre Dame are minus nine and a half. That's come into seven. Um, slowly, which means public money has been pouring in for Florida State. I'd go against that, and I'd be betting Notre Dame there the entire way, mainly because I think Florida State's pretty shit. But, you know, that uh, that gentle, um, slow trickle of money for Florida State is something that I would be betting against if you're a Notre Dame fan. Yeah, nine wins feels about right for this Notre Dame team. All right, let's head to BYU, 11-1. and one. You loved watching BYU last year. I'm selling them as well. What are your thoughts on the boys from Provo? Oh, yeah, they're, they're a massive regression candidate. They're going to be terrible this year. They, they were special last year, and it was fantastic, but I don't think that they're going to go bowling this year. I don't see them Whoa. getting to that. Like I think this is a massive step back. They, they've given up something like... 80% of their production or something ridiculous like that. Like they've had more production leave the field than any other Div 1 football program. So it, it's just too much to replace. I, I think they're coming from a long way back. Last year was a special year. Didn't quite kind of play out as as good as it could have with that um, upset to Coastal Carolina. But of like a two day preparation. Yeah. like and, and it was fantastic. Like they took that on. Best game that, of the year. That was always going to be tough, but now there's just too much to replace, so these guys are going to be also around this year. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. Zach Wilson, obviously, the Jets. Dax Milne um, at wide receiver, not good. And this is probably one of the few teams in college football who doesn't return a whole heap of experience. Everyone's doing it with super seniors, and they're getting that extra year. BYU is gutted. Uh, they do get a couple in, like Puka Nakua comes across from Washington, the wide receiver position, and they need him to step in and do something. But this is a team that, oh, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, they're set at six and a half at the over-under, and you said you don't think they go bowling. I think it feels a little high as well. I'm, I'm taking the under there, but even six feels difficult. And the schedule that they have is ASU and Utah. That's probably losses. Boise, probably a loss. Utah State. It should be okay this year. Then they go at Baylor and at Washington State and at USC. So their road games are against potentially plucky, upstarty teams and USC. So they have a really, really tough job of it. And this is not going to be the same team that finished third in scoring offense and fourth in scoring defense that rolled through just about everyone last year. So I tend to agree. They were darling last year and rightly so. I don't think it's happening this year though. They also had a garbage conference, uh, like a garbage schedule last year. Like through no fault of their own, that they, they were one of the biggest uh, hit. They by wanted anyone, exactly. They were, right. anyone. They were <laughs> willing to play anyone, and because they were a good team, there weren't many who were willing to take them on. So it, what it meant was that their numbers were inflated because they were beating up on teams that they were much better than. They were still really good. No so doubt, they were still good. No doubt. 
All right, let's head across to the Liberty Flames. They went 10-1 and one last year. Hugh Freeze is still there, and I think this is probably his last season, and not for the wrong reasons, obviously. I think he will get another job somewhere else, uh, which is a little bit disappointing. This is one of those teams with a quarterback. Malik Willis is an absolute weapon. I love watching him play. He will go over 1,000 yards on the ground. He'll probably go over 2,500. I'd, I'd like to think he'd go closer to 3,000 through the air as well. He's pretty balanced. All five starters back on the O-line. An offense that averaged 38 points last year. They can push it beyond that. Um, and I think this offense has got a chance to be, you know, top 10 in the nation. I, I, yeah, I think Liberty are going to be really, really good this year. So I've got them as a hold candidate only because going 10 and 1, it's pretty hard to be buying up and above that. I tend to agree with you, mate. Malik Willis, you said it off the top. What makes you want to watch a team? He is the sort of guy, he's the sort of college player that you just need to watch at one point this year. Uh, I'd put a circle around that Ole Miss game that they've Ooh, got November 6th. freeze bowl. That, that one there is going to be exciting. If they're as good as we both think that they'll be, they'll probably be uh, undefeated at that point, and then that's going to be a hell of a matchup. So that's a fascinating one. These guys are going to be really good this year. So uh, look... 10 wins is certainly in the conversation. It, it's going to be tough to get there again, but Malik Willis is a special dude who would be getting genuine Heisman love if he was at a bigger program. Yeah, I think the other thing that I lose sight of often when looking at quarterbacks like this is, you know, they're really exciting, but this defense was good last year. They finished 11th in the country in total defense, and they get everybody of note back. Uh, so, you know, they go into 10, this old... 10 starters from that group. Yeah, I mean, they they go into the old Miss game. They actually might be the more well-rounded, balanced team in that game. Um, but, oh, gee, Matt Corral, Malik Willis, I will definitely be watching that one. I will be rock hard at the thought of that. Um, and, and the expectations are sky high. So I, I'm taking 10 wins again. So give me the flames. All right, let's go group of five now. Let's start in... And, you know, we love Group of Five football. We're a Group of Five football com, um, podcast now. And, because, and, and why is that? Why are we Group of Five? Let's, let's give because, a little bit of breakdown. Because Power Five is dominated, and it already is now. We know this going into the year, uh, that Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama are going to dominate the polls, they're going to dominate the conversation. They are going to dominate everything that we look at from a playoff perspective. So the the Power Five is almost predetermined. And we know that no one's made the college football playoff from um, after starting outside the top seven at the start of the year. Uh, we know that these teams just run the table and it's become, and their recruiting is so good and it's all becoming very, very predictable, um, fractionally boring, and you're really just holding on to the season and hoping that one of these teams lose. And they never do. So we like um, Group of Five football because we rarely see the same team win the conference in back-to-back -back years. There isn't 
the power in recruiting. There isn't the power in funding and money that allows teams to monopolize areas and monopolize conferences and just completely dominate. So we do see upstarts like Coastal Carolina. We do see Ball State go from winning one game one year to winning the conference the next year. We see teams like UAB who didn't have a football program three years ago, four years ago, win the conference last year. Um, you know, we see the American conference where you go, who's going to win this? I could make an argument for five teams here. And, and that's legitimate. Whereas pretending like Wake Forest has a chance or NC State has a chance, they just don't. So that is why I love group of five football. Do you get the best players? No. Do you get the most athletic players? No. Do you get all the NFL players? No, you don't get that either. But you do get entertainment. You do get close, fantastic football games. Preach, brother. Preach. Yeah, clearly. All right. Uh, let's get into the Sunbelt, which did some damage early last year. So this was a team that just, uh, a conference that just ripped through the Big 12 and has really proven why the Big 12 shouldn't really be considered as a Power 5 conference and why they've been left out of the discussions with conference realignment. Yuck. That's just garbage. I've just baited the hook and Will, he's nibbled. All right, let's get into Coastal Carolina. This was the Cinderella story last year. They went 11-1. and To me, they're a hold candidate. They were unheralded to start the year and then everyone started talking about them as they worked their way through their schedule. Um, They got away with a a field goal, a, a bit of a weird field goal situation against Louisiana. Um, at the start of the year and and got out of that game, um, which was really, really good. They played the awesome one against BYU, which we've already mentioned. The offense is fun to watch. They've got a good quarterback in Grayson McCall. A lot to like about last year's team, and there's no reason to think they aren't going to take a bigger, or not necessarily a bigger step forward, but a, a, a gentle step forward, which puts them into potential undefeated um, possibilities and then looking to defend a Sunbelt title. Yeah, look, if you look at this objectively, uh, subjectively even, uh, why would they be taking a step back? This team returns almost everyone. They've got their quarterback back in Grayson McCall, who was a freshman last year and was probably the most impressive freshman in all of college football. He's back manning an offense that almost put up 40 points a game. The same coaching staff in place. Like normally with these sorts of programs, what you see is the head coach go on and take a much bigger job because he's done such a fucking fantastic job that he gets snapped up. That hasn't been the case here. So there's no reason for me to think that this Coastal Carolina team that's returning, what is it, 20 starters from a side that was awesome last year is not going to do the same thing this year. Like they were really good. They, they seemed like they had a real camaraderie around here. It was, what was that about the, uh, the whole mullet deal that they had going on oh, like that? That's not good. It was a bit gross, but they were buying into it. And it was a cultural thing that you could see that Mullets these guys... versus Mormons? That was the big BYU game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and they were, these guys were all into it. And you could see that they were a unified team. So whilst this is all in place, I think that these guys are going to be incredibly difficult to knock over. And... Grayson McCall's an exciting player to watch with that fun offense that they've got going on there. Yeah, I, 
I agree. I 100% agree. And, and if we lean into that a little bit more, you've got Javian Highly and Isaiah Likely, which I, I still don't think gets enough media attention with a, with names like Highly Likely. I just, <laughs> come on. Like, somebody do something with that. It's one of the best tandem wide receiver names in college, but they are highly likely to do damage. Boom. Such a dad joke. Boom. Getting there. Um, but I think the only difference between this year is it, it's easier being the underdog. It's easier being the team that no one expects to, you know, do damage and, and to come in and just ride that wave. And now they're going to be the hunted party this year. That's a totally different circumstance to be in. And can they manage that? And can they be that? Obviously, every team wants to be that. But it's a different set of pressure because there is pressure now for them to win that probably didn't exist last year. And that will be the biggest challenge, I think, for this group because it's not going to be replacing people. It's not that they need to get production. It's not that they you know, are, are putting in a new coach, a new offensive coordinator, a new system. It's that all of a sudden, this is the team that will be hunted. Uh, there are a couple of issues that I think they do need to address. I mean... I think that this with this up they they, they go up tempo so they're up tempo but to run and play ball control which sounds kind of contradictory in terms but they do like to run the ball and really maintain the clock and when they dominate time of possession they look fantastic and it means they can win in multiple ways which is great they can win defensive tussles and they can win on offense as well because they know they can score but they need to make sure that they're okay on third down and continue to do that. I think that's going to be really, really important um, for them. They need to be able to stop the run. And if they do that, then they should be able to cruise through the Sun Belt. All right, let's move if, on to App State. As you if, we go, if, if we go this deep on every team in the group of five, we are going to be here until week one. We're, we're mate, going to I, go straight through week zero. Mate, I told you I can go deep on these. App State, nine and three. I'm saying hold. And the real reason is, and you need to tell me which way my vocal inflection should go here, but Zach Thomas was a really good quarterback, and now the Mountaineers have... Do I go Chase Bryce? Question mark? Or do I go... Now they have Chase Bryce. Disappointed. Either way, he's not very good. He turns the ball over a lot, and... Uh, this is a team that's got all the skilled position players. They've got Cameron Peoples at running back. The defense is loaded. They only gave up 20 points per game last year. They get all their wide receivers back. They run that stretch zone scheme into play action that works so well. And it's Chase Bryce that is your trigger, man. Not a good situation to be in for App State. No, you're dead set right, but I don't think that that has been fully determined yet. So he did transfer out of there, coming from Clemson to Duke, where he just absolutely stunk it up last year, threw more interceptions than anyone else in all of college football, and has now landed at App State. And as you said, they've got all the pieces here, but he is in a full competition with Jacob Huseman. And as far as I have heard, they haven't decided on who's who's won that. Starting no one there. has. No one has. Okay. So a lot, of, look, a, lot of, a lot of schools haven't yet, but yeah. Th- there's reason for optimism. I think both you and I have seen enough of Chase Bryce to go, he's not the man to get these guys across the line. Yes, he has some serious Power 5 experience behind him, but he has been really, really limited in what we've seen there. So like being bad, being experienced at being bad is not necessarily a good thing. Uh, <laughs> and th- this but app state... Football. 
uh, yeah, we did that for a long, long, long time. Um, but when that changes, if you get the right culture and you, and you start winning stuff, then you can do that. And I, I think Jacob Huseman could be the man here. As you said, like this defense is stacked. They've got uh, Demetrius Taylor on the back end there, who is just a weapon on that defensive line who can really run amok. Uh, they've they've brought in some uh, experience from Wisconsin, Stanford, with a couple of transfer players that I think is going to help them out. Th- this program is is going to be dangerous. Uh, and if I was a Miami fan, like I know you are, that that one there would have me nervous because that's a tough out, out of conference game, and I would probably rather play Boise than App State. Yeah, I mean, I would. I'm I am nervous about that game. I think I would definitely be taking. I don't know what the line will be, but. That'll be predetermined, or that'll be determined after the Alabama Alabama game. Nearly got that out. Obviously, a few too many IPAs tonight. Uh, but I'd be taking App State plus the points there. They will go in as underdogs, but they will cover for sure. I think the other big issue for App State, and I know I'm not going to deep dive too long here, but they got to play clean in big matchups. Last year, there was a couple of times where they just turned the ball over and gave dumb penalties in big games, and that you just can't do that. Uh, so they need to clean that up. If they do, they're a real legitimate conference chance. Along with this team, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They went 10-1 and last year, but I am not as big on them. I do love Raging Cajun football. Uh, and I just one of the best mascots in all of college football. Uh, this is a team, again, in that mold that I'm talking about. A lot of good skill position players, an awesome offensive line, a defense that was that would good enough and should be good enough this time as well, and then a quarterback position that is in question. And that's what gives me the biggest amount of pause for Louisiana this year. Really? So you're not a believer in Levi Lewis and what he can do at that uh, quarterback position for them? Well, statistically, he had a worse year this year than in 2019. And I can accept that if you play a six-game schedule, but when you get 11 games and you step back in accuracy and you turn the ball over more, he's a fifth-year senior this year. I need more out of him, and it's a bit of a show-me uh, rather than tell me for him this year. I'm not just trusting on another year of experience that he will be better. Uh, so I've got question marks there, and I'm, I'm not a true believer that they've got the quarterback to be able to run with Coastal Carolina. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't see this as a program that really needs to lean on their quarterback. Yes, in those big moments, he needs to stand up. And, and in that game there, he's going to, when they go to Texas, he's going to need to. But they were able to do that last year. This team beat Iowa State last year. This team only lost one game last year by three points. And that was that Coastal Carolina one. They were very good. And they've also got 20 guys coming back. It's like all these Sunbelt teams were really <laughs> fucking good last year. And they're all back and they're going to be like, it, it's the same teams again this year. So it's, it's really tough to split them, right? Like they've all got the same guys coming back, same coaching staffs, same quarterbacks in, in most scenarios here. So... I, I find it hard to rag on this Louisiana team. I think that Texas game, they, they kind of crept up on Iowa State and they caught them mm. when they were coming out of the whole COVID protocol. And, and I think that worked in their favor. They were better prepared, obviously, in that one. And I don't think they're going to get that um, same benefit with this Texas matchup. They're obviously going to be considered to be a very good team in that one. So I think they're going to find that tough on the road. But outside of that, they'll be looking good. They do have a good matchup with Liberty as well, uh, as we talked about earlier um so i'd be a little concerned though so they drop so let's say they lose the texas game they've got app state after a bye you're calling that a win that one's at home 
Let's say they win. win that. Let's say they win okay, that. Let's say they win that. But then they go at Troy at Liberty. I mean, I don't. If they get out of that with a one and one split, I think they'd be pretty happy. But there's two losses straight up, and they're in a worse spot than what they were last year. So, I, I don't see double digit wins in the regular season this year for Louisiana. Yeah, no, you're probably right there, mate. All right, let's get to the American. This is the best conference in the country. They will have good games almost weekly, and I'll be watching a lot of them. So let's start with your little bloody love child up there in Luke Fickle. I know you love his glasses and his muscular rear end. I feel like that does that does something for you. But this one's all you. So let's talk Desmond Ritter, the uh, NFL quarterback prospect now what are your thoughts on him i'm not that huge on him but what do you reckon for him and what do you reckon for cincinnati's ability to win the american this year i do love uh muscular rear end uh look cincinnati were the darling team of last year so, so they coasted through and they're getting a whole heap of hype this year like they've started ranked in the top 10 in the ap poll and the reason that is is what we were talking about previously. They've got everyone fucking back again. They've got the same quarterback. All of these guys, all of these programs who are not churning dudes out into the NFL, they've been able to get a free year. So if you're not going to the NFL and that like that paycheck's not on the table, why not take up on it? Why not have another crack at it? So that's what we're seeing with a number of these programs. And that's what's going to be really cool about the group of five this year is I think it's going to elevate the entire conferences play and all of these teams play because there's going to be a lot more experience around here and they're going to be playing at a much higher level than what perhaps we would have previously seen so Des, Des Ritter I'm probably with you I think he is somewhat limited he's dynamic as fuck right like he is equally adept at passing and running the ball but I think he he's not elite at either he's not a Lamar Jackson type mm. runner of the ball it's a good call by you I like that but but he is serviceable. And at the college level against some of the less athletic teams, he will cut teams to pieces. And then same with the ball in hand. He's a solid passer, but he's not, you know, a Russell Wilson level guy. Or It's probably a tough comparison, but, you know, he's not that, that elite level passer. So I think this is a great opportunity for him to show that because what's to say he can't take another step forward in his game and, and really make things happen. And they're going to have enough pressure on them this year. They're going to have the eyes on them. They should be favourite in most games that they play. Outside of that Notre Dame one they have on the road, they're going to be favourites in almost every game there and they need to win them and they need to win them well. They're, they're on a hype. These guys are aiming to make a playoff this year and in order to do that, they need to be unscathed and they need to win well. It's, it's not going to be an easy journey for them, but if this can, can continue to grow, this is one of the storylines in college football that you love, where there's a program that's trying to build something. And if they can keep doing it, with each week that it builds, there's a little bit more drama, a little bit more to it that's just fun to watch. Yeah, I, I agree. And the thing we haven't spoken about is Cincinnati had one of the best defenses in the country last year, and we haven't even mentioned them. And, and I think if they get off to a good start in the first and second quarter quite legitimately in games they're going to be really hard to beat you, you're going to struggle to get past that defense and it could be one of those situations where outside of one or two games if the offense can score 
24 points. That would probably be enough in most situations. So that does put them in a really, really good spot. And I tend to agree. Uh, so Bearcats fans should be excited about this year. This is it. I mean, this is your chance. This comes around once every 10 years if you're a good program, 15 if you're an average program, and 30 if you know, you're a group of five teams. So um, have a crack, Cincinnati. I love James Wiggins at safety as well. He's one of my favorite players. Let's head to UCF. This is an interesting one. I mean, they've got a lot of traction. A lot of people know UCF because of their um, national championship that they didn't really win when they went undefeated with Mackenzie Milton and then backed that up with another good year the year prior. But they have now said goodbye to... Oh, where's he gone? Um... Who's the coach I'm thinking of? Come on, come at me. Hupel? Yeah. Hupel. Hupel. Um, has moved on and they bring in Gus Malzahn. Now, this was a team that went six and four last year. So I'm buying up on UCF stock. They were set for a rebuilding year last year. I love Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. He's a big dude, big arm, has got some talent. Um, so I am feeling pretty good about him. Gus Malzahn, the former Auburn uh, head, head man, national championship winning coach i'm not huge on him i think his spread to run offense is interesting but feels fractionally dated at the moment that doesn't mean you can stop it but i, I there's just something about this kind of triple option he spread feel that i don't love so much anymore he's, he struggled to develop passes and that's what dylan gabriel does so well is push the ball deep downfield they've got smallish speedy um, skill position guys and we sort of mentioned this earlier about the fact that um, group of five skill position guys tend to look a little bit different, a little bit funny. Um, and that's what you'll get from UCF. They'll be funny shaped. They'll be a little bit shorter, a little bit taller, a little bit chunkier. Something will be look a little not NFL prospect about them, but they'll be good and they'll be fast. So they've still got a lot of pieces there. Um, I think UCF are going to be better. I think the defense has got some question marks. So that is the only thing that gives me pause here. This is another team that's going to really compete. And there's going to be a lot of teams sitting up the top. And if you see UCF next to a Cincinnati, next to SMU, next to Tulsa, next to Houston, next to whoever in the conference, it's going to be worth a watch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, UCF are, are an exciting football team now, and, and they've really built themselves into a program that is continually vying for American success. And and being in that range, in the best group of five conference in terms of you know what they put out on the field there, they're always in the mix. So the fact that Dylan Gabriel is back for these guys is massive. He was fantastic last year. 32 mm -hmm. touchdowns, four intercepts, interceptions. That's nuts. Like those, yeah. I'm empty too. I'm looking at my fridge over there, <laughs> and I'm wondering when I can duck out and grab one. Um, <laughs> like I have questions about the new coaching staff coming in here, and yes, yeah, so Gus, we're on the same page with that. Gus Malzahn is a very good coach, right? Like this is a national championship winning caliber coach. But there is change, and we don't see that with some of these other programs. So that's the big one for me that I have a little bit worried about them. I think they're going to be good. Don't get me wrong. Dylan Gabriel, baller. But I think there's enough there that, I, that they are probably not the team for me to back in the American. I 100% agree, but I feel like they can play spoiler slash be good this they're, year and and, that, and, yeah. and good can get you to you know seven and three or eight and two like do you know what i mean eight and four like it can it can do some damage 100 percent. 
Okay, here is my crush team as we head down to Dallas. SMU, they were 7-3 and three last year. I am buying up on the Mustangs more with not great like analysis or decision-making. This is more of a heart pick, I think, than a head one. Uh, I love Sonny Dykes. I think he's a really good football clo- coach. They're going to have a high-flying offense. They bring experience. They bring balance. They bring explosivity. They can run. They can pass. They can actually do it all. So I'm really excited about the offense. And the quarterback position is not one to worry about with the Mustangs. Shane Bichelle goes. That is fine. They've got high four-star recruit slash nearly five-star recruit in Preston Stone. He was an absolute coup to bring in there. They've also got former Oklahoma quarterback in Tanner Mordecai. I think it was five-star. He was, yeah. I think he so, was. So, like, there. not concerned about the quarterback room at all there at SMU. Rasheed Rice is back at wide receiver. Reggie Robeson is a really good one. Ulysses Bentley the fourth um, has is on the Dope Walker preseason uh, awards list, so he's a really good one at running back. So, offense is like, give me get that straight into my veins because that shit is good. A little bit like UCF, the defense has some questions, but I do like this offense so so much. My big concern is the back end of the schedule, <laughs> and that goes. After the buy, they go Tulane at home, which Tulane will be plucky and a little bit difficult. At Houston, at Memphis, both those teams are not what they were, but still solid. UCF, then at Cincy and Tulsa, all in a row. So it's not a great back end of the year that they're probably going to get jagged a couple of times there, but I think they should be awesome. Um, they're going to drop some to the big boys, and you know that's going to happen, but... That is my crush team, 2.0. Them and UCLA. I like the pick, mate. I, I tend to disagree a little bit about uh, riding off Shane Bouchelle like that. I think whilst, yes, he, Preston yeah, Stone, okay. Antana Mordecai, they come in with credentials, they've shown nothing at this level. Where Shane Bouchelle was incredibly productive for these guys. He was that offense. So they do have big shoes to step into. I, I agree with most of what you said, that they could be a very dangerous team. But that, that stretch you mentioned is brutal there. That There's no way that they get out of that unscathed. Uh, SMU are a team, for me, that probably feel like they could regress a little bit from last year. But it, it, it's fantastic to see them back up and about. They could be fun, though. All right, let's take let's head to Tulsa. And since they're in the state of Oklahoma, you get to deal with the Golden Hurricane this year. They went to they went six and three last year. I'm selling on them, but what are your thoughts on a team that was one of the best defenses in the country? Yeah, look, massive, massive sell candidates, right? They, they were good last year without being fantastic. Like that, they, they, they came on and they grew as the year got going. I think it was Zavin Collins who ended up winning what the, Collins, right? the the best the defensive. Buckus. Yeah, best defensive player in college football. Yep. He was fantastic. And and in the preseason games that I've seen in the NFL so far, he's showing out there. Like he has that that talent level and, and he elevated that entire program up. I think that these guys struggle a little bit this year. I mean, out of conference they've got to go on the road to Oklahoma State and Ohio State. Oklahoma State have had problems with Tulsa in the past. Have they lost to them? That's not a good argument. Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, uh, well, like as I'm saying, has Oklahoma State lost to them? Like, uh, the- no, they haven't, but they needed like a Tuba Hubbard touchdown in the last three minutes or something to get them across the line by three points. Don't worry about it. Win's a win. So, like, I'm just... These guys have got a pretty difficult schedule out of conference here. We've, we're talking about the American. There's some really good programs here. Cincinnati, really, really good. UCF, uh, you talk Houston, Memphis, SMU, all of these programs I have above Tulsa this year. I oh, think, really? Okay. Uh, absolutely. I think there is a bit of turnover on that offensive side uh, with the quarterback position and Zach Smith going out the door. Uh, Zayvon Collins, as we mentioned on the defensive side, is quarterback of, of that side of the... It's, it's just, it's too much. They are taking a step back, so I'm, I'm not nearly as optimistic about this Tulsa program. Yeah, I think they're possibly better than that. I think they're going to be better than Memphis and Houston. Maybe, maybe. They'll be in that group anyway, which is admittedly the next group down. The the thing I will say, though, I'm not a big offensive line guy. Like, I don't mind it watching good offensive line play. But they return five starters. But not only five starters, every single one of them was an all-AAC player on some level last year, which is really impressive. Like in my head, I'm, uh, did they just run like four AAC teams? They're just like first oh, well, team, second team, third well, team. Gone, they would have gone, gone three. But even still, like even to get all of them there is impressive. So, um, you know, maybe uh, just a really good offensive line, just a brick wall. We're not going to deep dive on Houston. They went three and five last year, but I think the Cougs um, need a better year this year. Dana Holgerson experiment might come to an end if things don't go right. I like Clayton Tune at quarterback, and I think Houston will be solid in the American and, and perhaps jag an upset somewhere. Okay, and for me, it's Memphis that I'd like to give a bit of love to. I think they are a little bit disrespected, and I think this team... down since like Mike, like last year they were a bit disappointing. Correct, and I think they're going to start to bounce back. I think they're uh, a team to watch out for and, and keep a sneaky eye on. I think Grant Gunnell is going to win the starting uh, gig at quarterback there, coming over from Arizona, and he could potentially do some pretty cool stuff there. All right, let's head to Conference USA and the UAB Blazers, 6-3 and three last year. This was a team that won the conference. I'm probably buying on better than six and three but i'm not huge on them yes they did win the conference but i don't rate it overall in terms of its top to bottom appeal unlike the american uh tyler johnston and bryson lucero shared qb duties last year and they were both okay but i watched them pretty closely obviously because miami played them and there was just nothing like that exciting about them the defense was good last year admittedly and they were good up front but this was a team that gave up over 300 yards to a miami rushing attack that wasn't that great um as that 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 lost in age super well towards the back end of the year in terms of how it looked and how they went about it but uab should be okay uh i'm taking marshall as my favorite in the conference but uab to finish a close second yeah, look, real open conference in in general here. Uh, I think it's tough to, to make a pick. I'm probably not backing in the UAB. This is one of the ones that it, it really is going to be played out and we're going to see someone come up. It, it's tough sitting all the way here in Australia to make a, an educated analysis as to who that team's going to be. 
but they're going to be a fun conference to watch to see who develops and who grows and who starts to stand out here. Um, UAB, a fantastic story, as you mentioned, didn't have a football program and, and have kind of really built things up. But what's to say it's not Southern Miss this year who, who kind of pop up out Southern of nowhere? Miss. Pardon? It won't be Southern Miss. Oh, it won't yeah. be Southern Miss. You're the one to say that. Uh, <laughs> it could be Central. It could be Central. Like the Chippewas, maybe. Give me the chips. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, but look, uh, UAB, they, they again... <laughs> that's all you need to say. UAB, <laughs> that's it. All right, let's move on to Marshall. They were 7-3 and three last year. This is the pick for the conference for me. Grant Wells, awesome at quarterback. I think he's a Florida guy. I'm pretty sure he is. Um, really, really talented. Uh, can run, can throw. And then to support that, they had the number one scoring defense in the country. I don't expect any drop-off on that side of the ball for them. And I think Marshall go from strength to strength. I think seven and three, if they went that again this year, that would be a disappointment. Yeah, look, I agree. I think eight wins is probably in their wheelhouse, which will have them in conference title uh, contention. Uh, they got road games uh, with Navy and App State that I think they're going to struggle with. But in conference, that they should be very confident uh, with, with all of the matchups that they've got. All right, let's head to UTSA. I know you want to talk Roadrunners, the best mascot in college football. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the boys from San Antonio? Yeah, look, this is my pick uh, in the Conference USA. So Sincere McCormick is a running back there who is just electric. He went for over or nearly 1,500 yards last year, and they've got the entire offensive line back to support that. So I, I think they just kind of funnel it through him. He's a playmaker. They can make it happen. Uh, I think on defense, they've got almost everyone back like I literally think it is all 11 starters on that side of the back are back so they're going to be supported there this is a program that has really good running back really good offensive line a lot of experience on the defense all of that to me says that they are a a solid pick to win this conference so that's who I'm back in here okay cool uh let's now jump across to the mountain west as we start to get towards the back of this group of five conferences preview uh san jose state now i'm really excited about what they can do this year the spartans had a fantastic year last year they went seven and one on the back of nick starkle the former texas a&m guy or an arkansas guy at quarterback now he is back again 17 touchdowns only seven picks last year i say only seven you know not super a lot of growth to be had there um and I think they're set for another big season on on the offensive side of the ball. And I say that with a little bit of trepidation only because the wide receivers, uh, they do lose a little bit on that side. Um, the running game needs to be a little bit better, but I think the offense will be strong as well this year. And, and I'm looking for another good year by the Spartans, and I hope so because they have been bit of a punching bag for for years now really and and last year was a really nice um change up for them and their fan base so that is uh really exciting for them and a, a place that i would like to head to as well so um 
hopefully they can continue to develop and continue to improve and San Jose should be uh, doing some damage in the Mountain West. Absolutely. They were a fantastic story last year, getting it done uh, after such a long time uh, between drinks for them. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know in collecting the uh, the championship, it, it had been like a record to- type of thing around how long that had been. Nick Starkle is the man at quarterback, right? He was awesome last year. I think he comes in, he was a five-star guy at Texas A&M initially. Things didn't work out there, but he's he's slotted in here. He's going to keep them in every game that they play or have them out in front there. So they're certainly one to watch in this Mountain West Conference. Now, before we do go on, the Mountain West has traditionally been probably outside of the American or potentially even equal with the American, the the best of the group of five. And it feels like they've taken a bit of a back seat recently to particularly the Sun Belt, which has been really, really good. So it's good to see more teams across the board having a bigger impact. So I think that's really, really good. Um, as we continue on with Boise State, they went 5-2 and two last year. They bring Andy Avalos across from Oregon uh, to run that team. What are your thoughts on the Broncos, Hank Backmire at quarterback, and the fact that this team has really been, since the Fiesta Bowl win as a BCS buster back in the day, alliteration there for you, um, they continue to be a year-in, year-out, really, really good and tough, well-coached team, and that doesn't appear to be changing at all at the moment. However, they do need to break in a new coach in year 2021. They do, uh, and that's going to be interesting. I think the new offensive coordinator, Tim Plough, is the fascinating one for me with these guys here. So he's come across from UC Davis, who are well-renowned for putting up mass points. And it's going to be a fascinating transition to see how he goes here. I think Hank Backmeyer has all the potential in the world. He really showed out with some of the stuff that he did there. But it, like he's, he's one of those guys, almost, dare I say, in the Bo Nix mold, where you've seen some really, really good stuff from Let's him. Let's not do that to him. Let's not do that to him. Let's just... But you don't get you don't get the consistency, right? You you, you don't see it. So I, I have my fears there. I think this uh, Boise State team is certainly deserve the right to come into every Mountain West season as one of the one of the contenders. I just for me, I'm looking elsewhere. I, I think there's other names around the Mountain West Conference this year, and and I think the transition of coaching staff is is going to keep things a little unsettled and and have them off kilter a little bit. Yeah, write them off at your own peril, I think, from mine. I think if Hank Backmire can stay healthy and uh, they can get the running game going, I think that's been the biggest disappointment over the last you know year was they, they just couldn't get that running game going. And that's always been, since the days of Jay Ajayi, has been a, a staple and a hallmark of Boise State football. And that hasn't happened at the moment. It looks like they're going to spread the ball out a little bit more and move away from the more varied multiple, sometimes under center, sometimes in the eye, sometimes in the shotgun kind of spread offense. So you might see something a little bit more varied this year. And coaching change generally does bring some, um, I guess, turmoil. And that means Boise State could take a step back. Uh, And with some tough games in that conference, that certainly could 
be the case for them. But their over-under, I think, is set at about eight and a half. Where are you sitting with them? Are you taking the under on that then? I'd take the under on that. Oh, interesting. All right, let's head to Wyoming, which are a little bit of a darling at the moment, mainly led by their quarterback position. I know the Broncos are your baby. One of the worst color schemes in football, but talk us through where they're at this year. Wyoming, do you, uh, you say Broncos? Yes. You meant Cowboys? Cowboys, sorry. We, My we've apologies. Ju- we've, jumped, we've jumped off Boise State, uh, Boise Broncos. State. Yeah, into the Wyoming Cowboys. I into the Wyoming Cowboys and drum roll, here it is. Bang, my group of five team for oh. 2021 is the Wyoming Cowboys. I'm doubling up on Cowboys. I'm, I'm getting all the Cowboys around me. That, <laughs> it's raining, man. This has been like a slightly uh, like homoerotic show. A little bit little bit and yeah. i don't hate it uh look oh, okay. this wyoming team i think is very good they were very good defensively last year uh they're a top 20 nationally uh in a number of key metrics on that defensive side of the ball i think they were really let down when sean chambers the quarterback broke his leg in their first game and had to be replaced by levi williams and i think he only threw one touchdown pass so he struggled mm. but Sean, Sean Chambers is back, and I'm expecting combination of what he can bring and, and a running game powered by Zazavian Valaday. I knew you were going to try and churn that out. Yeah, good. Zazavian Valaday uh, and, and complemented by Dre Smith is, is going to be awesome. So, it's actually Xavian, but anyway. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so don't come at me with your Cowboys shit, all right? That Say is, his name right. That is disappointing. Uh, look, yeah. I, I think that it, it opens up well for them. I think they've got a really good schedule to find their feet and, and get things going here and, and start really well. Their non-conference, Montana State, NIU, Ball State will be tough, and Connecticut. I think they manage three of those, definitely. Ball State may be a question mark, but... I think this team's good enough. So they're going to win those. They're going to be a player in here. This program could genuinely get to double-digit wins this year, and, and I'm excited for their prospects. Yeah, I mean, the defense was really good last year, uh, and they're set to do the same thing. They've got a fantastic linebacker core, um, and they're big as well. So, yeah, I would I would agree. I think this defense can help the offense out, and you get a good quarterback back. Um, Wyoming Cowboys should be in good shape for this season. Let's head to the MAC. This is the worst conference in college football. I am going to quickly hit on the Buffalo Bills because they were um, Buffalo Bulls, not the Buffalo Bills. Wow, I'm in good shape here tonight. They went 6-1 and one last year. I'm selling them. Lance Leopold, the head man, has gone over to Kansas, so he's trading the Buffalo Blue in for a Kansas Jayhawk Blue, and he's taken a number of players with him, which shows just how good Kansas football is. But this offensive line needs an overhaul. The wide receiver right, wide receiver room is going to be fractionally different this year. And this was a team that was a rushing freak show in season 2020, and that's not going to be the case next year. So I think they take a big, big step back. Unless the defense can carry the load in the MAC, um, I don't think Buffalo are going to win the conference. And they will be one of the more interesting teams to watch under new guidance, but... Uh, I'm not going to watch the Mac with any great vigor this year, I don't think. 
Yeah, it's, it's tough to get excited for. Uh, my pick in, in this conference is Toledo. I'm uh, getting around the Rockets. So I think that they are at least exciting on offense. They put up a lot of points. Uh, they did have Eli Peters retire from football. Uh, so I, I think that he's just kind of like, oh, another year of Mac. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm done. Uh, but Carter Bradley steps in. They've got an established guy that um, can control this offense. Almost everyone else there is around to support him in that position. I think on the defensive side, they're one of the better units in uh, this conference. So for mine, these guys certainly should be the favorite to take it all out. Fair enough. Okay, that takes us through the entirety of our group of five teams and who we think is going to be favorites and who we think is going to win the conference plus all the independents so you've got a lot of information there you can go to your college football now if you have any american buddies or if you're american and you have american buddies i mean that that works too so do that take utsa in the conference usa anyway i'll stop rambling here now i know you want to get to some gambling stuff very quickly will because you do like the fact that you went on a bit of a gambling hiatus and a drinking hiatus and now that you're back off of that wagon uh you're gambling on our show you're drinking during our show so where are we at in terms of putting you putting your hard earned well earned money on uh football games we are excited. That's where we're at, mate. So uh, last last weekend, I, I managed to uh, do something. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 I managed to do something that doesn't happen very often, and I had a good weekend. I uh, I jagged the quaddy at Mooney Valley, and now I have more money in... More money in my uh, sports bet account than is safe or Top Sport or whoever's willing to sponsor us. Whichever account, there's a decent chunk of cash in there and it is just burning a hole in my pocket. So I am keen to put on a truckload of preseason college football bets down as an investment because it feels like it would be an investment. So with this, any savvy investor goes for, to experts for advice. Mate, help me out. Um, oh. Let's look at the Heisman market. Have you got anyone for me that I can perhaps throw a few dollars at that may increase over time and then I can lay off against them? So they don't necessarily need to win it because I think trying to pick a, a, a you know a, a winner in a field like this is incredibly difficult. What I need is something someone who's going to improve over the journey okay. and whose odds are going to come in. What do you got Biggest for me? Impro- I mean, I, I, I don't know where this is going to... I, Biggest improvers, I think the the obvious one for me is you've got to go someone young and that's got a good supporting cast around them. So the first one for me would be JT Stroud, I suppose, at uh, Ohio State. CJ Stroud? CJ Stroud, sorry, I'm thinking JT Daniels. CJ Stroud at Ohio State. Um, He's got potentially the best offensive line in football. He's got potentially the best wide receiver duo in football and he's going to have a really, really good defense. Yes, he's a freshman, but Ohio State, once they get past that Oregon game, uh, you know, I've got a real opportunity to uh, continue to pour, pour on the wins, and we'll do that on the arm of a, of a really good young quarterback. So he'd be one that I would say. Okay, so cu- currently same odds as uh, Sam Howe and Matt Corral. 
uh, CJ Stroud at seventeen bucks. Really so interesting. The, the market's all over him. I find that interesting that Matt Corral would be in that discussion. I think they're going to lose too many games for him to be a legitimate Heisman candidate. All right, let's go. JT Daniels would be another one of mine. I mentioned another one with initials. Uh, The noise out of camp from him is that he is so, so comfortable. Like a fantastic quarterback. That's not just like random preseason um, whispers coming from from Athens. This is like he is a legitimate freak, not freak, but legitimate, awesome playmaker that 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 USC expected he would be when he signed on there. And apparently, he is doing a whole lot of really, really good work work at Georgia. But I assume his name is already next to some Heisman numbers as well. Yeah, look, he's equal third uh, at thirteen bucks at the moment. So, what do you got for me? Give me a bit more money. Give me a bit more value. Oh, a bit more juice. Um. Uh, okay, let's go. Bo Nix, well, you said 101 bucks. 101 bucks. There's someone at 101 bucks. Bo Nix. Bo- <laughs> we are not taking Bo Nix. He's not. No, don't do that to yourself. So for, for reference, George Pickens is also at 101 bucks. <laughs> He's injured. He's not He's even playing. ACL done for the year. So, wow. <laughs> Like maybe, oh, this is a massive homer pick. Derek King, because I feel like he's got the name brand recognition, which is a big part of what you need to happen. But he is a bad game against Alabama week one away from that getting shredded and completely destroyed. So I feel like you could sit on that maybe and then wait till after the Alabama game. I, I think he's a fantastic pick. For me, looking at him, he's risk-reward, right? Off the, off the bat, they win that Alabama game somehow. Not and even win it, but just he plays well when they lose but, close. But if they do win, he skyrockets to the top. Even yeah. if they do lose it, they drop that game, and then he goes on to put on amazing numbers, like we both think he will across the ACC. He's only going to gain steam from that. It's not how you start. No. It's how you finish in this race. So I think he's one to certainly keep an eye on. I don't know where else. Like, it feels like it's a little bit devoid of, of court, top-end quarterback talent. I mean, that's going to get gobbled up by a Heisman favoritism anyway. I don't see a wide receiver getting enough recognition. I would say Drake London probably has a little bit of name-brand recognition, but he's not going to get the media hype that you need being on the West Coast. Maybe one of the Ohio State boys... Like Chris see, o- like Olave. Chris Olave, like is he someone maybe that could could really do a whole heap of work? And then I'm trying to think at the running back position, who are the big, um, like Brees Hall? If 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 Iowa State are able yeah. to make a, a serious shake at it and become a playoff team, and they do it on the back of him, I think Brees Hall's not a bad bet. I was thinking like Zamir White as well, maybe at Georgia, like if they can get some balance to that offense, but I don't love that pick necessarily. Um, yeah, uh, Derek Stingley, I don't know. Pick a cornerback to win the Heisman. Imagine that. That's impressive. I mean, Z- Zamir won's at 101 bucks, so I, I like that better than uh, Bo Nix. And... <laughs> uh, Where do you need it to come into to lay it off and make it worth your while? Well, like, just it, it really depends. It depends on how much you're putting down and, and how Don't that works. That. So I, I think you've given some, some good ideas here. 
Uh, I'm just trying to find Stingley in here for reference because I think that'll be a good one to play as well. Like, it's about time that we see a defensive player mm, win the award gonna, again. It's not going to happen. Who's the last one? Woodson at Michigan? He won one, I think. I think that's about it. And he played like a safety. Plus, he was a kick and punt return guy. Like, it's not going to happen for Stingley. So, lockdown corners aren't... They're getting paid at the NFL. They're not winning Heisman. So... Let's just calm down on that. Yeah, but what they will do is make a final four. And I think that final, like, that brings their odds down, you know? Like, they're in they're in the running as, as things get going. So, Dude, this it, show is fucking dragging. <laughs> so, if you can bloody speed your shit up here. I can't find it. Maybe there's not a market for him. Uh, Sincere McCormack, 476 bucks. If we're talking group of five, I like that. <laughs> wow. All right, unless Will has got any more stupid ideas to drop money on, that is going to bring us to the end of our final preview for season 2021. We are done. We are one season launch episode away where we are going to hit all the Australians. We're going to hit all the big games. We're going to hit all the previews. We're going to make sure that anybody who's anybody knows everything about college football and we give them a shout out next week hopefully i'm without a child at this stage and i will still be rested and recovered but if not we'll do it anyway all right again before i do send us off into the deep dark depths of thursday night Make sure you do hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at CFB down under. You can find us there. Again, we'll do. You got to quit your job and get into social media stuff more. Um, we're also at the Vault Studios. Thanks to Burnley Brewing. Thanks to JA as well over there. He better actually help us out and send us some of that stuff. I know he still hasn't. So <laughs> sort your shit out, JA. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for your assistance and love tonight will i think you know after talking muscular buttockses and uh you know being surrounded by cowboys and we can you can have a good night i almost certainly will (laughs) all right on behalf of that guy over there thank you so much for joining us my name's aaron that is will and we will see you next time I'm out on the highway, my thoughts are still with her. Such a